escura Corpo ensanguentado Pelas mãos que batem Please stand by, we'll be streaming live soon Uma voz chama o seu nome Esperanças te criou Na escuridão ele responde Please stand by, we'll be streaming live soon Você sabe, irmão Silas. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Amor. A morte esteve perto e eu só tenho dor. E quando Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Viu o rosto de Jesus. E aqui estamos juntos carregando a cruz. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Eu louvarei meu Deus. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Não sei o que será do amanhã e que futuro tem. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. 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 Stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Stand by. We'll be streaming live soon.
please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Numa cela fria e escura, corpo ensanguentado pelas mãos. All right. Good morning. It's good to be here with you, and we are in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and we'll be looking at this idea of the Holy Spirit convicting of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So yesterday, Pastor Rick began this uh, sort of this threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit that the Apostle John talks about, and of course, the Holy Spirit. Apostle John has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, but these are three very important things that the Holy Spirit does in the world and in our lives, and so we're taking some time to look at each one. And so we'll be talking today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in terms of convicting the world, convicting us of righteousness, and specifically we'll look at the idea because Jesus says, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. So we'll talk about that as well. So that's very important. But, you know, before uh, we just kind of get running on a train track here, let me ask you, uh, the word righteous, okay, is an interesting word. So let's, let me ask you, what are, grab that microphone, Kathy and Kaylee back there. What are some synonyms that you would say, some words... Synonyms of righteousness, of righteous. Um, purity. Purity, that's a good one, yeah. Perfection. Perfection, yeah. I have a whole list of them here that I got off of Google, but You're I just wanted to think. ask you guys. Yeah, I want to make you mm. think. Um, I want to make you think. Goodness. Good, yep, exactly. Goodness, that's a good one. No, that's fine. All right, here's here's a couple other ones. So you guys nailed like the 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 main ones, right? So um, goodness, virtuous, right? Um, guiltless, blameless, faultless, all of those sinless. Okay, all of those things would be synonyms of of righteousness. And so then you say, okay, the Holy Spirit is going to convict about righteousness. 
which is apparently different than being convicted of sin. Okay? So, now, that's very important because John makes a distinction and says that being convicted about righteousness is not the same as being convicted about sin. Okay? And so, there's a few ways that I want to discuss how does the Holy Spirit convict us regarding righteousness. And, and so, as Pastor Rick taught, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we become, uh, we did synonyms of, of conviction, right? We, awareness, make manifest, right? You, you, there's a convincing that you're, that, that you're a sinful person. Well, the same goes for righteousness. Is the Holy Spirit comes to convince you of a couple things regarding righteousness, a few things. And one of them is that God expects righteousness. You know, it's kind of a, as if the Holy Spirit is trying to uh, make a case. That's a great way to put it. Right? Yeah. Make a case. Just in plain scribe, language. Imputed. Ascribe. Yeah. Trying uh, to convince us. Just yeah. presenting make up to your us. Mind. I yeah. need to know this. Conviction here is you need to know this that you That's are perfect. covered by the, the righteousness of God. So we will talk about imputed righteousness being covered. Um, and so first let's talk about why is that necessary. And scriptures tell us that God cannot be in the presence of unrighteousness. He hates sin. He cannot stand in the presence of something that is unholy. If you remember Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah goes into the throne room. Right? Do you all remember that scripture? Let's go look at it. Do you remember that one, Kaylee? That's a good one. Isaiah chapter 6. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, uh, Kathy, would you read verses 1 through 5 for me of Isaiah chapter 6? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With the twain he covered his face, and with the twain he covered his feet, and with the twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Mm. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Okay, so here we have Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets prophets to ever walk the face of the earth, follow God, and then in the presence of the Holy of Holies, he becomes so aware that he really doesn't belong there. Right? Woe is me. And there's an, an awareness that God is righteous and He is unholy and unrighteous and He should not be in the presence of God. In other words, God just expects righteousness in His presence. Respect, expects perfection, holiness. Uh, let's look at a couple other scriptures. Okay? Matthew 5.20 Okay, somebody flipped them. And then 
So, Kaylee, you do Matthew 5.20, and Kathy, would you do Revelation 21.27? These are two more Scriptures that state explicitly that God expects perfect righteousness in His presence. He can't take anything less. He's not going to compromise on righteousness. Go ahead, Kaylee, on Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Read it good and loud into that microphone. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall see in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Okay, Kathy, give me Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. And there shall no wise enter it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they only which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay, so nothing that is defiled or is abomination, nothing unholy will enter into the New Jerusalem. Only things that are perfectly holy, perfectly clean, perfectly righteous, so to speak. Think of all our synonyms. And so God expects righteousness in His presence. Scripture says that. And of course, then you begin to say, well, but we just talked yesterday about how sinful I am, so you're not really encouraging me, John. (laughs) Right? But it gets better. But we have to make the case, because you see, the culture of our day tries to convince you that that God will just God will just allow you in His presence um, without any conviction, without you know that that sin is just okay in the presence of God. That God God will just let you know take all your sin and and, and you could just walk into the presence of God with all your sin hanging out and and no, you cannot walk into the presence of God with all your sins. Just hanging out. Okay? And God knew that. Isaiah felt that. He knew he was not in the right place. But see, God provided a way, and we're going to get to that now, where we can walk into the presence of God because Jesus, who is the righteous one, the only one who is righteous, okay, covers us. And, and we're going to get into this theological term called imputed righteousness. So forgive me for that. But, you know, those of you watching from around the world, culturally, right, we all have different idea of, ideas of what um, righteousness means. Okay? Throughout time, throughout culture, what does it mean to be good or righteous? And every culture has its own definition, right? Ah. Uh, and then every, within every country and every major culture, you have all these subcultures that decide this is what it means to be good. This is what it means to be righteous. And so those of you watching in, in China, you sort of have all these cultural expectations. Those of you watching in New Zealand or Indonesia or uh, you know somewhere in Africa, Mozambique, uh, Kenya, wherever you are, the Philippines, your culture puts upon you these expectations of what it means to be good in your society. But, but what I want to submit to you today is that every person and every culture is flawed at some point in terms of what it means to be good because God is the only one who has the authority to define true righteousness. Okay, let me say that again. 
me and you and every culture is flawed to some level in terms of our understanding of righteousness. Because see, we have all these influences that are, are of the world. You know, our education, our family background, our religious background, experience influences our understanding of what it means to be a good person or be righteous or what, you know, have, you know, whatever synonym you want to use to fill it in, to be a moral person. And, and all, all of our definitions are wrong at some point. And so if we are trying to live up to our own standard, then we're totally off because God's the only one who can define what true righteousness really is. But see, righteousness is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the only one who is righteous, perfectly righteous. Okay, we know that nothing could be accepted in the presence of God that is unrighteous. But see, when Jesus says here that uh, because I go to my Father, okay, now, now first of all, let me say that the Trinity is here. Holy Spirit, Son, and Father are all right here. Okay, and they're working together. See, Jesus presented a spotless righteousness to the Father, meaning Himself, which pertained to His sacrifice at Calvary that was accepted by God. Okay? Consequently, that righteousness is imputed to all who believe in Him and His work on the cross. Let's unpack okay. that a little bit. Okay, Go ahead, John. Pastor Rick. Go ahead. Go all ahead. Right. Now, let's, let's see if, I can, if we can... If we can deal with this. What, what I think what John is saying is that there's power in conviction. Meaning that when he says he will, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin is to expose sin in you. We talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Amen. So then he says he will convict the same word, convict the world of righteousness. Of righteousness. And so there's power in being like Jesus. There's power in accepting what Jesus did at the cross. Mm-hmm. There's power in what he, he is resurrected, ascending to heaven. And so his righteousness is the light. Amen. Amen. So when the light shines, like with that picture we showed yeah. yesterday, when the light shines in righteousness, there's power in it. And so how do you, how do you uh, receive that? That's the question to you. So that's a ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is, you know, uh, um, which John is trying to help us understand that Jesus is the central focal point. If we are called to be righteous, okay, but we can't be because any attempt that we have to be righteous, any definition we try to come up with and try to live up to is not going to work, right? So we're, we're faced with the idea that we are, we are supposed to be righteous before God, but we can't do it. But, but then the Holy Spirit begins to say where there was one person who was able to do it, and His name is Jesus. And so... We know that Jesus was perfectly sinless and righteous because one scripture tells us, okay? For instance, we have uh, 1 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin. In other words, Jesus was not a sinner. 
He was tempted in every way, but was without sin. Right? And then He was accepted in the presence of the Father when He ascended into heaven. We already discussed the fact that nothing could be in the presence of the Father in heaven that is unholy. So for Jesus to be accepted means that He was perfect. So the perfect spotless Lamb went to heaven and now He begins to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, impart His righteousness upon us. His perfect righteousness. And that is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it is a convincing thing. Because see, it's a different thing to be aware of your sin than for you to have an awareness, conviction, that the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers you up so that you can come into the presence of God without fear. And that is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that happens. If we finish this verse here, 2 Corinthians 5.21, made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. What does it mean in Him? Remember I said we all have our own definition of righteousness. But it's not, it's not that we might be the righteousness of God based upon our understanding of righteousness. It's that we may be righteous before God in His definition of righteousness. So what does it look like? How do we begin to know that God is working this righteousness in us by the power of the Holy Spirit? See, you get saved and you have this wonderful experience where you know that you're saved, right? That, that, that God has redeemed you. But then you become aware that you still have some old habits. You have some old thought patterns. And you need to change in some ways. And then you start, as a Christian, to kind of feel bad because there's a struggle there. And you don't really know how to work that out. But what begins to happen then is the Holy Spirit comes in and says, it's okay, I'm going to empower you to be more like Jesus. And that is the sanctifying work of Jesus that begins to work the righteousness of Christ in us over time, over the Christian life. And it's, it doesn't come from, you know, just uh, sitting in, your, in the pew on Sunday morning and listen to the pastor give, as Pastor Rick says, a book report. What, what happens is, as you study the Word, and as you are involved in the needs of others, you begin to, your thought life begins to change. What do I mean by that? Thought life begins to change. Go ahead, Kathy. Um, the types of things that you think about people. What occupies your mind, right? Yeah, what yeah. occupies your mind. Yeah, the how, how, you, how you view yourself. Even what you think about when, you know, you're just sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What, what, what does your mind default to? Right, Kaylee? What do you think? You got any different idea there? Uh, I, I, I can't find any better way to describe does it. Your, are, is your mind changing? Like, you know, the things that five years ago... Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just occupying your mind and you look back and you say, oh, that was actually a, not a healthy thought life, but God is healing my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's happening to you, Kaylee? Yes, I'd say that. Amen. That begins to happen as that is a work of the Holy Spirit convicting of righteousness. 
Because our thought life belongs to God now. And so righteousness begins to be worked into that. So righteousness is becoming like Jesus by being convicted to be like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so what's another way? Well, your motivations change. Okay, your thought life change is changing. And now, okay, so I'm talking about the mind. If, if you've been around us long, long enough, I'm going with mind, will, and emotions. <laughs> the soul, right? Soul ministry. The Holy Spirit begins to minister to your soul. Because, see, prior to salvation, prior to conviction of sin, prior to conviction of righteousness, it was all affected by the world. So your thought life, your motivations, your emotions had all these worldly influences. And now the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting you of healthier ways to think, healthier ways to motivate you. And what is motivation, Kaylee? What, 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 what is the idea of motivation? Something that keeps you going? Something that keeps you going. Why you do what you do. In other words, every day we have to decide how we're going to spend our time. Right? How we're going to spend our money. And so, the things that motivate you to spend your time, to spend your money, to spend your energy, begin to change. And so you begin to say, okay God, I'm going to be motivated now Suddenly, I'm beginning to see that I notice somebody has a need over here and I'm motivated to spend some time or some money to help that person's need now. And that's kind of new for me, God. By the way, this is something that happens across... This, this is outside of time and culture. So no matter who you are and where you're listening around the world, this is a ministry of the Holy Spirit that does not... that, that is does not depend on... He doesn't have to ask your cultural permission to do it. Okay? And so, your motivations change. Of how you... In other words, you begin to tithe. P.O. Box 5188, Athens, Georgia, 30604. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can give online if you're overseas as well. Hallelujah. Uh, so that begins to change your motivations. Okay, we become aware of the needs of others. Okay, um, another one. This this is a the, a will thing again. Uh, we no longer have hatred towards those who have harmed us in the past, but we begin to experience forgiveness in our hearts, and we begin to suddenly have a desire to pray for them. We talked about uh, last week how Jesus says that we are called to pray for our enemies. Well, that's hard to do when you don't want to do it. But then suddenly, as the convicting work of the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'm going to work, I'm working the righteousness of Christ in you. The one who prayed on the cross, forgive them for they know not what to do. Prayed for his enemies as they were killing him. And you say, man, how was he able to do that? That is a righteousness that is far beyond what I've experienced. But then the work of the Holy Spirit begins to come in and say, your life is not your own, you belong to me, and I'm going to enable you to pray for those who hurt you. And you go, oh, so that's so the Spirit is now convicting me 
to pray for those who are who have hurt me in the past. Um, uh, you know, we pray in tongues. We tell others about Jesus. We are no longer consumed by negative emotions towards ourselves. Right? And when we begin to, the Holy Spirit begins to convict us that we are righteous in the sight of God. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of everything that Jesus has done. And that, that convicting work of the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are righteous in the presence of God now. And that the righteousness of Christ is put upon us as, because it's by faith that we accept Him. We begin to live by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that the righteous live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? Well, faith is the antithesis of intellectualism and rationalization and fear and anxiety and afraid of the future all the time. So, we begin to look at the future and say, I have no idea, God. I don't know how the bill's going to be paid. I don't know where that husband's going to come from. I don't know where that wife is going to come from. But I'm going by faith. I'm, I'm putting my trust in You and I'm, I'm going to make some decisions not based off of fear, not based off of the idea that You won't provide, but just believing that You're going to open the doors as I put one foot in front of the other. The righteous will live by faith. What are some other things? Now, I, I kind of went down some things that I, I wanted to get to, but what are some things you've experienced in your life that the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of righteousness, that He is making you righteous? What do you think? How is, how is the Holy Spirit convicting you that you are becoming well, righteous? One lady said to me a day, she said, you are, you're ugly, you've got to go back to Brazil. And I became ugly. Then a lady, other lady came in and prayed for me and I found out I'm good looking. <laughs> Amen. So I've been convinced yeah. that I'm good looking. Hallelujah. Not ugly. That's a perfect example. Because that's a, that, that's a real struggle for a lot of people. They feel horrible about themselves because they just think they're, they're not good looking. And they're not lovable, right? Yes. And the Holy Spirit has to come in and convict that that's wrong. Go ahead, Kathy. Um, I think God's been convicting me recently how, like you're accepted in the family of God that's right you're but not a fifth wheel Kathy no you we're you're, all you are actually the steering family. wheel in Brazil you are the engine in Brazil you you're not you're not a a a, a useless fender in this ministry yeah. in the body of Christ you are actually the engine you're the spark plugs and you're the gasoline down there mm. honestly Children's ministry, going up the hills. You do all kinds of things that you don't even put on your report. I know you do. Why? Because I, I see the fruit. So I, you know, so I know you're doing it. You just don't put it on your report. <laughs> what do you think, Kayla? You got one that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of righteousness? Of, of a way that He is making you righteous in the eyes of God. He's working it in you. Well, I guess the way that I view other people. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. Hallelujah. People go to the kitchen and eat your banana. <laughs> Did you eat a banana? Are you bananas? saying you ate a banana? <laughs> no, 
I didn't. I didn't. But you got to forgive them. Oh. If they if they cross you, if they do something right, you have anybody who sort of uh, crossed you? Oh, plenty of times. Yeah. So times. so you learn to forgive before they do it, and you don't mm-hmm. take it to 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 the pillow at night. Mm-hmm. That's righteousness. Becoming righteous. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness. Forgiving others is a form of righteousness that Jesus. And we cannot do this. Now, this is not an intellectual exercise, okay? This is not an exercise of our own willpower to become moral based on our own standards. Let me clear that up because there's a lot of confusion in the church about that, and I don't want to finger point denominations, but, uh, but this is a work of the Holy Spirit that convicts us that our definition of righteousness is not the one we should be trying to accomplish. Let Him define righteousness and let Him begin to work it in us. So when you're tempted to look at your own life and give some sort of inventory based on your own understanding of what it means to be good in the eyes of God, you say, okay, hold on, God. I'm about to go down that road again. And um, I know the end of that road is I feel like a loser Christian and I feel like I'm no good, and I failed at every path, and, and that's a mental, that's a that's a mental process that that the Holy Spirit is breaking in some of you to do that, because you have your own sort of understanding of what it means to be righteous, and then before you know it, you you begin to take an inventory based on your understanding of righteousness, and not His. But God is the only one who has authority to define true righteousness. It is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And His righteousness is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. We cannot will ourselves to being righteous in the sight of God. We have to submit ourselves to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope you have a great day. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 7 p.m. on our Atlanta Bible Study channel. And we'll see you tomorrow morning for Pastor Frank Appel uh, at 9 a.m. Have a great day.